The reading tonight is from John chapter 20, verses 10 to 31, and that can be found on page 1089 in your church Bibles. John 20, verse 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God, then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Well, these uh, resurrection appearances provide ample um, sermon material. Uh, that isn't uh, a reason for pre preaching long sermons, but it does provide lots of material. 
And uh, tonight I'd like us to look at four um, uh, perspectives, uh, but focusing largely on uh, Thomas under the heading uh, From Doubt to Faith. And possibly some of us might be making that uh, transition tonight. Along the lines, something like this. We need to challenge our doubts and confirm our faith rather than to go through life confirming our doubts and constantly challenging our faith. There is actually a world of difference between the both and often determines our effectiveness or otherwise as Christian people. So, what we have in John chapter 20 is uh, an encounter between people and the risen Jesus. And I want to look very briefly at these uh, four reactions to the resurrection. The first, very quickly, you have in verses 11 to 13 of that reading. If you would keep the Bible open in front of you. Here is a, a highly um, emotional, uh, fragile situation and rather volatile The women have made their way to the tomb and they were to embalm the body of Jesus and to have an encounter with Jesus who is alive is is something very difficult to put to words. The reaction of Mary, and it's not because she's a woman, could have been men, feeling is believing. We live in a culture and society that emphasizes feelings, sometimes disproportionately to thinking and obeying. But feelings are quite high and uh, there's a sense of emotional uh, fragility here. And so you, you take up the reading, you see that Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels and so on. And uh, it's all this strong emotional surge. In and of itself, it's not wrong. But the point is here, it is not enough to sustain belief. And whatever experiences we have in our Christian faith, and hopefully we will have much more, the, the experiences and the feelings in and of themselves are not sufficient to sustain a vigorous belief that helps us to live out our faith. That's the first reaction of Mary. Feeling is believing. The second reaction of the disciples, uh, perhaps typical from a a male perspective, seeing is believing, a bit more rational. And so in verse 19, for example, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, emphasizing this whole idea of seeing. Seeing is believing. And there are people who really live out their lives like that. And in a a sense, it is good to see signs of God's grace, sign of the living Jesus working in people's lives and homes and relationships and would 
that we would have more. The point I'm almost overemphasizing, and you'll see the reason in a moment, is this. That the reaction of the disciples is, seeing is believing. Well, what if you haven't seen? And that's the whole point where we'll introduce Thomas in a moment. The danger of that can be, and sometimes we can do this unintentionally, is that we make our experience the yardstick for everybody else. So the scene here is one of of great fear. I don't think any of us have been in situations where we are fearful for our life. What the Jews did to Jesus, they would like to do to the disciples. Be sure of that. So this is nail bitten bitten to the nub. This is fear in, in in its raw sense. And the disciples are there hiding behind barred doors. You have that in verse 19. Okay. The third reaction. Now let's perhaps spend a bit more time on this. The reaction of Thomas. Who under this heading. Proving is believing. How often will people say to you. Prove it. Proving is believing. So let's look at verse 24 and 25. Now Thomas called Didymus. uh, One of the twins. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Seeing is believing, isn't it? Not so. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now, Thomas is this sort of classic uh, rationalist, not given to emotion, uh, the great pragmatist, if you like. Now, just let's have a little, a very brief look into his character. Uh, For example, um, he's mentioned only twice before this incident in in any of the Gospels. Turn back to um, John 11. Just let's have a look at Thomas. Let me introduce you to him. Uh, Chapter 11 and verse 16. There's this whole discussion uh, that revolves around uh, the death of Lazarus and so on. And Thomas interjects here, called Didymus, because doubtless there were other Thomases. Thomas then said to the rest of the disciples, let's also go that we may die with him. The danger of returning to Jerusalem, a hotbed of militants and fanatics who were ready to take their lives because disciples were guilty by association with Jesus of Nazareth. That's a bit of a depressive uh, statement there. Life isn't good. Let's just get it over with. And chapter 14, just one verse, chapter 14 and verse 5. You will know this is uh, often used uh, now at uh, funeral services to point to Something other than body and brain. Jesus is speaking about going to prepare a place. You know these are familiar words. Thomas is not impressed. Maybe you're a bit like that. You're in church and other people think this is good. But you say, hold on a minute. Not very impressed. So Thomas said to him, verse 5, which is actually quite rude here. Because he's, he's interrupting the, the thrust of what Jesus is saying. Lord! We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? 
And of course it gave Jesus an opportunity to give those immortal words. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Well those are the only two occasions and now this is the third. And let's come back to this and here it is. Unless I see, unless you prove to me, I will not believe. So here is the bold skeptic. The patron saint of doubters as he's called. And in verse uh, 25, it's a prevalent attitude today. Unless I have proof, unless I have evidence, God must pass my test before I'll believe in him. Can you imagine that? That is actually unintentionally a form of monumental arrogance. That somehow God has got to meet us on our terms. Well, Thomas is going to have a lesson now that is relevant to us as well. I think there's a spirit of defiance here. An attitude of almost belligerence. Thomas is laying down his terms, his demands, if I'm going to become a Christian, if I'm going to be a disciple. In other words, and you'll find this, I will believe if... And then you fill in the, the gaps. I will believe if. If my intellect is satisfied. If my terms are met. Now, I think the Lord needs to humble us if that's the attitude which we come before him. What he's actually saying, and what People often are saying, like this, if you've had discussion, conversation with people, is not, I can't believe, I won't believe. I won't believe. And Jesus' response has a massive encouragement for us here tonight. Let's read Jesus' response to Thomas, which, as if looking down the corridor of time, he can see a, a congregation like this of Millions of others. And here is a word for us. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, though the doors were closed. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Look at verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Quote, unquote. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, this perhaps the most concise confession that you could have, my Lord, my God. Well, you'd say that's good. But there's now a, 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 a gentle rebuke which we shall look at in a moment. Jesus comes and says, peace be with you. Believing is more than logic or bare facts. It's also to do with love and truth and comfort and hope and joy. Now, this response isn't uh, superficial, like um, when Jesus comes among them and says, Peace be with you, and says, well, Have a good day. But it's shalom, a deep assurance. And oftentimes, 
we need as much assurance as we need understanding. And the point is this. At the heart of the Christian faith, it's, it's not a religion as such, nor a, a ritual or a tradition, but a relationship with the living Lord. Nothing less, but more as it unfolds. Uh, I've been reading, and, and if you want to, you can borrow this, this book from me. And I want to quote from it because it makes a, a fascinating insight. This is um, Haslam's Journey. Uh, a great book, and um, I'm tempted to quote quite widely from it, but this, this, this will suffice. Uh, in, in the middle of the 1880s, so it's a long time ago, um, there was a vicar in Cornwall by the name of William Haslam. And this book, is, it's, a, it's a reprint, and it's an update on things from his diary and from the press and so on. That's a fascinating uh, incident. I want to read it to you. One day... Much to his surprise, William Haslam was in the garden and his gardener. In those days, vicars had gardeners and servants. The good old days. Um, upstairs, downstairs sort of thing. Okay, not so good days. Um, and um, his gardener became a Christian. And Haslam didn't know what to make of it. His gardener was talking to him about things that he couldn't answer. So he went to visit his colleague who bluntly said to him, the reason you don't understand is that you yourselves are not, you yourself, are, you're not converted, to which he was rather offended. Well, if you were a parson, you would be, wouldn't you? Well, his, his friend asked him, um, look, have you peace with God? Haslam replied, of course I have. God is my friend. Pursuing the point further, his colleague asked him, how did you get this peace? Oh, replied Haslam. I get it in the daily service. I get it through prayer and reading especially at Holy Communion. I've made it a rule to carry my sins there sun every Sunday and often come away from the Holy Sacrament feeling happy and as free as a bird. How long does this peace last? asked his friend. I suppose... Not a week, said Haslam, thoughtfully, for I have to do the same thing every Sunday. The friend of his in the neighboring parish then went to tell him about the living water that Jesus promised, welling up from within to eternal life. Haslam then admitted that he did not know this. And then he left. Right. Next Sunday, a bit like Thomas, the next occasion, Haslam climbed into his pulpit and announced the text, What think ye of Christ? This is how he described what happened next in Haslam's own words. As I went on to explain the passage, I saw that the Pharisees and scribes did not know Christ was the Son of God or that he came to save them. Something was telling me all the time, you are no better than the Pharisee yourself. You do not believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to save you. And then he says, I do not remember all that I said, but I felt a wonderful light and joy coming into my soul. 
And I was beginning to see what the Pharisees did not see. Whether it was my words or the manner of my look, I know not. But all of a sudden, a local preacher who happened to be in the congregation stood up and putting his arms firmly into the air, shouted in the Cornish manner, quote, The parson is converted. The parson is converted. Hallelujah. And in another moment his voice was lost in the shouts and praises of three or four hundred in the congregation. Instead of rebuking this extraordinary brawling, as I would have done before, I joined in the outburst of praise. He then describes how at least 20 people in the congregation cried for mercy and professed to find joy and peace in believing, including three members of his own family. The news spread like wildfire throughout the town that the vicar had been converted by his own sermon. Well, you can read that, and this is a fascinating account and uh, uh, lots of um, good stuff there. But there you are. That, I, I think that does link. I've forgotten where we were now. Uh, with Thomas. The next time, something new, an added dimension, knowing it in your head and having an encounter with the living Jesus is very different indeed. Okay, the last point. We've seen the reaction of Mary. Feeling is believing, up to a point, but it's not enough. Seeing is believing, that's okay, but it's not enough to sustain a vigorous faith in Jesus Christ. And the reaction of Thomas, proving is believing, is not enough. Convince a man against his will. He's of the same opinion still. Someone might come and disprove. And where are you? So the last. The reaction of future followers. Folk like you and I here tonight. And what is it? Trusting is believing. Trusting is believing. And so we come to verse 29. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed, implication, more blessed are those who have not seen in this sense and yet believed. And yes, Jesus has done many things that are not written in this book, but this is enough. This is enough to proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, or if you, the same word, by trusting, you find Life in his name. So let's conclude with verse 25. The reaction of future followers, trusting is believing. Essentially, Jesus tells Thomas, you've had proof and you believe. That's all very well. But blessed are those, and this is the challenge, surely. Blessed are those who have not seen like that, yet trust him. And believe. And believe. Let me put it like this as we close. Think of it like this. The application now of the fourth of these. First of all, if you were to subtract facts from faith, 
you will divide your strength. If you subtract facts from faith, you will divide your strength. You will fragment. Because your faith isn't grounded in fact, your foundation will be weak. And, like Mary, if you're not careful, you'll be relying on feelings too much. Now, I know there are some churches you can go to where it's all feelings. As one person has said, you go to the church and a condition of going is you leave your brains outside. It's all feelings. But you know, too, there are other churches that you go to where it's all brains and no feelings. Secondly, think of it like this. Add sight to faith and you will multiply your doubts. And that was Thomas's problem. He had to see for himself. He had to lay down the conditions. And Jesus rebukes him. And he would rebuke us as well. The final application surely is this. And we are here tonight and it's Easter Sunday evening. Mix faith with nothing but the truth. And our trust then we will have life in his name. He may well lead us in ways that we find hard. We may have experiences that are tough. Doubtless we will. We may be like the disciples, behind closed doors, emotional closed doors, and lots of others, yes. But the application surely is this, to mix faith with nothing but the truth, and we have life in his name. Hopefully we'll have feelings. Hopefully we'll see things. But this is so foundational. And it's the only thing that will sustain us. And nourish our faith. Through all the experiences of life. Thomas. From doubt to faith. It's quite a journey, isn't it? And you put your name there. Your name. From doubt to faith. And Have God's blessing conferred upon you through the Lord Jesus. Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen in that sense and yet believe.